Welcome, everyone, to the Thursday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Crawley, as always. And as always, because it is Thursday morning, that means yesterday was Wednesday. So we got our weekly data from the Mortgage Bankers Association looking at mortgage demand. And I know you're going to be surprised, but refis were down. Total shocker, right? Rates jumped by the most I've ever seen rates move, um, at least according to this report. Since I have been watching it closely, up, down, biggest rate move that I have ever seen in the Mortgage Bankers report. And that is, of course, the Mortgage Bankers Association weekly mortgage survey looking at mortgage demand and, of course, rates. And like I said, refis, they were down. Yep, they were down uh, just a little bit, 15%, which is actually smaller than last week. Last week, they fell 16%. So now they're down 15%. Year over year, 60%. And to be honest, considering where rates are, kind of surprised it's not 100. (laughs) So 60 actually isn't that bad. But here's the most fascinating thing. Purchase demand. And this did not get anywhere near the attention that I felt it deserved because everyone was focusing on total mortgage demand, which was down about 6.8%, and refis, but purchase demand was up week over week, 1%, even with the big rate increase. We still saw purchase demand increase. It is only down 10% year over year. And I say only because, once again, we're going to get to rates here in a second. I was kind of surprised it wasn't down more. So we got refis down double digits, two weeks in a row, and purchase demand actually up. So let's get to rates. Well, actually, no, hold on. Let's, real quick, refis now make up 40.6% of total applications down from 44.8% the previous week. I mean, that number is just going to continue dropping by a large, I wonder I wonder what the bottom's going to be. Is it going to be zero? Are we going to have zero? I mean, we're never going to have zero refis, but I assume there's still some, There's still some room to fall with regards to refis. Now let's get to rates. 30-year fixed, the average contract interest rate jumped. You ready for this? 30 basis points week over week. That's not not year over year. Week over week, a 30 basis point jump to 4.8%. And remember... The Mortgage Bankers Association report is always kind of a week behind, so we're looking at the week ending March 25th. 4.8%. Rates are now (laughs) a staggering 147 basis points higher than a year ago. I mean, those two numbers, I have not seen anything like that, at least in the last three years or two years since the pandemic. I mean, 147 basis points higher than where we were a year ago. I mean, it seemed like getting to 100 basis points. I think we just did that a few weeks ago. And then all of a sudden, boom, 147. And the 15-year fix, I mean, not, you know, no, no slouch itself. Seeing a 25 basis point increase year or excuse me, week over week. The 15 year is now over 4%, 4.01%, 129 basis points higher than one year ago. And this is not that surprising. We saw what was happening last week with rates. 
The Mortgage News Daily reported that rates were at 4.95% on Friday. And so we knew there was going to be a big jump. We saw it happen all last week looking at mortgage-backed securities. But like I said, the one thing, I mean, the one thing I took away from this was the fact that purchases were actually still up 1%. I mean, to me, that was the most surprising. Like, I expected a big rate hike. I expected refis to just fall off a cliff. But purchases were up 1% or only down 10% year over year. I mean, to me, that was the most surprising statistic in this report. And a lot of it has to do with buyer demand. There's people that still want to buy and they're looking, you know, maybe they're older buyers. You know, younger buyers are probably terrified at what's happened to rates, right? They're used to seeing 2% and 3%, 4%. And now we're hearing about high fours, maybe even into the fives. Yeah, it's going to scare them. But older buyers are like five. Oh, historically, that's nothing. <laughs> that is nothing in the grand scheme of things. And so I think people who are older, people who, you know, for example, they're not first time home buyers, but they could be buying, say, a second home, or maybe they're just moving or downsizing, whatever it may be. They're like, ah, 5%. Yeah. I mean, sure. Anyone would love to have 2.5 or three or four, <laughs> but buyers like that who have seen rates in the six, seven, eight, nine, maybe even double digits are like, yeah, 5%, whatever. That's, that's not really that big of a deal. So buyer demand still there. Now, obviously it's still down 10% year over year. And even though things are still crazy, the hope is that as mortgage rates rise, things will begin to cool off. Because as we talk about all the time, we're not in a bubble, but people are concerned, economists, when I say people, economists are concerned that we may be getting close to a bubble forming. And there's a fascinating piece over at the Dallas Federal Reserve because they were arguing that a bubble may be beginning to form, but not in the way that anyone would expect. In fact, their culprit is very interesting. So first, the authors note that we're not in a bubble yet. They say that the home price growth we have seen, as you know, especially as of late, even the big jumps that we've seen, have been caused by housing fundamentals, as we talk about here on the podcast all the time. They say, quote, shifts in disposable income, the cost of credit and access to it, supply disruptions and rising labor and raw construction material costs are among the economic reasons for sustained real house price gains. So low inventory, high cost of construction, home prices are going to go up. Of course, rates also help with that, but they're not concerned about 2008, you know, loose credit standards, no doc loans, just the craziness that we saw in 2008. They're not worried about that. So what are they worried about? <laughs> well, the fact that we're not in a current bubble doesn't mean that we could be going in on the path towards a bubble. They note real house prices can diverge from market fundamentals when there is widespread belief that today's robust price increases will continue. If many buyers share this belief, purchases arising from a, quote, fear of missing out can drive up prices and heighten expectations of strong house price gains. So the culprit, FOMO. FOMO. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dallas Fed is worried about a FOMO bubble. They're worried that people who, let's say in 2020, said, oh, we're not buying. This is a bad time to buy. And then all of a sudden, home prices started rising. They said, we're not going to do it in 2021. It's a bubble. Prices kept rising. And then here we are in 2022. Things continue to skyrocket. And they're like, all right, I'm getting in. I am going to go buy a house. Not because they're looking to lock in shelter costs. Not because it makes sense for them to do that. They're just like, oh my gosh, home prices are going to continue to go. It's kind of like what we've seen happen with meme stocks, where you look at, say, AMC, GME, what is it, Bed Bath & Beyond, BlackBerry, some of these other meme stocks, where a lot of times what happens is the stock starts rising. It jumps 5 10%. News picks it up, goes to 15% maybe 20%. And then people are like, oh, I want to get up. I want to be on this. I want to be on this, this uh, train. And then they start jumping in. And then it's 25, 30, 35, 40. And then it starts going up and up and up. And then, then you get a bubble. And then pff, the bubble bursts. <laughs> and then a lot of people lose money. And we did see that in 2006, seven and eight. But of course, that was also housing fundamentals weren't there. That's not what we're experiencing now. But there is a concern from the Dallas Fed that we could be on the precipice of a FOMO bubble that it could start to build. So what should we be watching for to know if we're reaching that FOMO bubble? Because obviously, if we're looking at a 2008 bubble where housing fundamentals start collapsing, where things just don't make sense with regards to, you know, anyone can get a loan, standards get loosened, you don't need to show any support for the income that you're claiming to have. If things like that start happening, then, okay, occupancy levels drop off, prices are still skyrocketing. Those are things that we should be looking for. So what do they say that we should be looking at? Well, one of them they mention is price to rent ratio. And this was a big thing that I, in fact, I think it was Robert Schiller's main point. Remember, he was one of the guys from the Case-Shiller Index that saw the bubble coming. And his biggest argument was, is that rents do not support values and that rents are way cheaper than buying a house right now. And that makes no sense because why would you not just go that route? So there's gotta be something else that's happening there. And and we do know what it was, right? It was, it was way too easy to buy a home. And that led to an inflation of home prices and then the bubble burst. So the gap between the actual price to rent ratio and its fundamental base level in the U.S. has grown rapidly during the pandemic and is unfortunately comparable to the run up of the last housing boom. Now, rent prices are skyrocketing. But I guess what they're looking at is what happens when things start to normalize. If home prices are still skyrocketing and rents start to fall. That could be a sign that we have an imbalance. One of the other metrics was price to income ratio. The Dallas Fed writes, while there is no divergence yet, the authors are concerned that the rapid increase in the statistic close to the threshold during 2021 indicates that U.S. real home prices may soon become untethered from personal disposable income per capita as fiscal stimulus is sunset by the government. So a lot of people are sitting on tiny money. We talked about this the other day with regards to real home prices and the fact that when you look at how much more money people are making now versus 2008, 
that home prices are actually more affordable now. But we are getting close to that 2008 level, which is something we don't want to see happen. Remember, 2008 is not the benchmark that we should be looking at affordability. We want to be under that because we saw what happened when we reached that level. We're still under it. But if home prices continue to rise without incomes, now we have ourselves a problem. And it is important to note, once again, that this report is not arguing that we currently are in a bubble, only that there are signs that we could be forming a bubble if things in housing do not cool off. And that's why, you know, rates are moving up. The Fed's looking at reducing their balance sheet. They see what's happening. They do not want to create bigger asset bubbles. A lot of people would argue we already have asset bubbles. They don't want to create bigger asset bubbles. And that's why they talk about the soft landing because they realize that some of the assets, houses may be included, (laughs) may be inflated and they don't want to cause a crash. But here is the good news. And I hate to frame it this way, but it needs to be said. They mentioned it in the report. So let's say we do start forming a bubble. The bubble starts to expand and then the bubble pops. Is it going to be 2008 all over again? The Dallas Fed says no. They write, quote, there is no expectation that the fallout from a housing correction would be comparable to 2007, 2009's global financial crisis in terms of magnitude or macroeconomic gravity. Among other things, household balance sheets appear in better shape. Excessive borrowing doesn't appear to be fueling the housing market boom. So like I said, as long as the fundamentals of the housing market, lending standards, you know, documentation requirements, just that part is really was the main driver of 2008. And people are taking loans. You know, they're not doing 100% loans they're not doing subprime loans (laughs) that is and now now people might think okay well arms sure subprimes and that was the whole problem right because of the readjusting loan arms some people have said may, may be making a comeback not because people can't afford the mortgage payments but because it might not be a bad idea if rates start increasing this idea that in a couple years depending on what kind of arm you get um interest rates could be lower. I mean, it's always, you know, it's always sort of a guess with an arm. Now, I know you can look back the last 40 years and rates historically moved downward and we really don't know what's going to be happening going forward, but it could make sense for someone to make that, take that chance, I should say. So it's not, it's not necessarily a sign that there's a problem if you see arms starting to increase in volume. But the good news is we're not in a bubble, but we could be forming a FOMO bubble. Oh, man, I love that like millennial words are working their way into some of this important analysis (laughs) FOMO bubble. All right, before we go, uh, private payrolls came out yesterday, ADP monthly report. Of course, it's jobs week. So today we have initial jobless claims and the ADP report was positive up 455,000 beating expectations they thought it was only going to be around 450. And interestingly enough, mid-sized companies were the big winner in March with 188,000 jobs created. Large companies, number two, at 177,000. And small businesses added 90,000 to their payrolls. Also, not surprisingly, or I should say, not surprisingly, because the mid-sized maybe was a little surprising to some extent. Uh, the service sector, 
by far saw the most job creation, 377,000, while the goods producing sector did see positive activity up 79,000. Leisure and hospitality continues to lead the way with 161,000 new jobs, followed by education and health up 72,000, and then professional and business up 61,000. And then the goods producing sector, we saw 54,000 job jump in manufacturing. Construction was up 15,000 and then natural resources and mining was up 9,000. So positive all across the board. And I know some people, they don't trust ADP the way that they used to, especially with that 800,000 correction that we saw at the beginning of the year. People said, can I even trust these reports? Uh, but listen, I'm an optimist. I like seeing optimistic reports, so I will take this as a good thing. Before we go, speaking of good things, uh, we got a good report coming out today. Well, I don't know if it's going to be good, but it's an important report. PCE. Yes, that's right. The Fed's favorite metric when looking at inflation. We will have that data, and we'll be talking about it on tomorrow's show You guys, enjoy your Thursday. I'll see you back here Friday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. 